0: i've been away for a couple of weeks but so let me tell you it's, it's been a good news week in the world of paul graham um you've probably heard the socceroos got up uh hopefuls for around 16 that's good news you just a bit closer to home you just said there's five trainees doing like preparing for gospel ministry next year that's good news even closer to home for me um Maybe not so much for you, but I've just had a baby, which was, uh, and she's healthy, she's good, well, thank you. Um, she, yeah, she's doing all the, all, all the right things, so that's, that's good news. Um, her name's Zoe. Um, and as far as I know, there's kind of no major war disasters that I know of this week, it, um, which could just be because I've just been in baby mode and haven't really been keeping up with the news, but um, it's been a good news week in the world of Paul Graham. Uh, but not every week is like that. Um, I'm not sure what your week w- has been like. Uh, Oscar said, if, if, you're, if you've had a harder week, it's, it's great that you've come to be with us. Uh, this is a great place to be if you um, have had a hard week and, and we're so glad that you came. Uh, there's certainly been times where the news that I've heard hasn't been good news. It's made, News that's kind of maybe want to pull over the car to process what's going on. There's been times where uh, things that have happened in my, my own personal life have made me stop and pause and, and, and just need to process. Um, in, in today's passage, Daniel gets some news that makes his face turn pale. Uh, by the end of the chapter, uh, he says, that I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Um, Daniel's given a, a, a revelation of, of the, the things that are to come, and he's, he's deeply troubled by it. Um, and perhaps your week has been more like that, perhaps you have gotten news that that has deeply troubled you, perhaps you are in a really hard place right now, um, perhaps you're, you will be in the future, and what I want to say is that that's actually a really good time to be a Christian. Why? Because we have God's Word, God's Word was written by people in all sorts of difficult places, and filled with all sorts of different anxieties, and, and Daniel has been no exception to that. Our lives, our minds are filled with all sorts of different anxious news that, ha- that affects us in huge different ways. Um, and what I want to show us today is that the, the antidote to anxious news is the good news. I'm not talking about the soccer who's winning or about the, the puppy shelter kind of good news that makes you forget a, for a moment about the, the, the bad things that happen in the world. I'm talking about truly good deeply good news, news that is so good that it makes you, you realise that none of the other bits of news really matter at all, news that eclipses all other news. Um, I wonder if there could be news like that. I hope as we dive into Daniel 7 we'll see that there, are, there is. Um, Daniel 7 takes place, all, all takes place in a vision that Daniel has at night. It starts with the deeply troubling scene for Daniel of four beasts that come out of the raging sea But then it's answered by by good news. In contrast to the chaos of the beast, we see God on the throne. We see that his judgment is final, and we see that the Son of Man descend and ascend. That's the first half of the chapter. And then the second half follows a similar similar pattern. um, There's bad news for Daniel. He now sees this boastful horn that represents kings waging war against God's people, um, telling him that there, there is going to be hard times for God's people ahead. But again, he's given an answer of good news, that the court will sit and his power will be taken away. So, that, that's where we're headed today. We're going on a, on a bit of a roller coaster, looking at the troubling news and then turning to news so good that it eclipses it. And then more troubling news and then more good news that eclipses it. Um, but two things to say just before we dive into the details of the, the text. One is that we're moving to a different part of Daniel now. If you've been with this so far, you will have kind of picked up on lots of different stories like the lion's den, like the fiery furnace. The, the first half of Daniel has lots of, um, lots of stories from history. The second half of Daniel has a different flavor to it. It's what col- scholars call apocalyptic literature, which isn't to say it's about the apocalypse, but apocalyptic means revealed. So it's full of these visions that were revealed to Daniel. A lot of it is, is dreamlike in character and, um, and takes us on, on a journey. It's easy to get bogged down and the detail I'm trying to make sense of each particular symbol. But, but what we're reading here are visions that, um, that yeah paint a big picture for us. So that's the first kind of thing to say is that it's a different kind of writing. So just be ready to, to roll with the, the roller coaster as, as we go today. Second is that because of the, the nature of the writing, we're going to be moving in bigger chunks to try to capture the big picture, often multiple chapters at a time. So we're, we're sort of covering chapters 7 and 8 this week um, because they are parallel chapters in many ways but in reality we only have time to do one of them properly and so we'll be focusing mainly on chapter 7 but my hope is that by spending extra time there that'll give you the tools you need to understand chapter 8 for yourself uh, as you keep reading. So we should dive into the text, uh, into Daniel 7 um, to look at what what is the troubling news for him uh, that caused him to say I I was troubled in spirit, The, the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me, um we're told that this was in the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon um if you've if you were to kind of look that up you'll see we're actually jumping back in time a bit this is before the lion's down this is before the writing on the wall uh, but thematically we're moving into Daniel's visions now so that's, that's why it's placed here it kind of runs slightly parallel with the with the narrative section of Daniel but by this point in time Daniel has been in Babylon for for many years he's trying to faithfully follow God even when um, he's surrounded by hostility to God. And he knows that that won't last forever and he's eagerly awaiting the time when exile in Babylon will, will end. He's holding on to the promise that, that the, an end will come and he's eagerly waiting for that time. And that gives us an idea of why this dream was so troubling for him because it tells that the, the Babylonian empire may fall, but evil powers will continue to reign chaos. More opposition will come. Daniel's dream starts looking out over the sea, a place of chaos and uncertainty for ancient people. And as he looks out, the waves are churned up by, by the wind and, and four terrible beasts emerge one by one. A lion with the wings of an eagle, a, a devouring bear, a leopard with wings. And then a fourth beast with nothing to compare to, not, not like any animal, just a beast with iron teeth and terrible strength and, and not, not one or two, but 10 horns. Um, and we're told that these beasts represent kings. But we're not told more than that in this chapter. We're not really given any more details. So there, there's these terrible, terrifying creatures that were told the kings. But are we supposed to know more than that? Are we supposed to know who these kings are? That's a question that people often ask of a chapter like this. Are we supposed to know who these kings are? Well, yes and no. I, if you read chapter eight, it, it actually does. It, it gives more a more detailed description. It, it gives some identifications. But chapter 7 doesn't, and I think that's, that's a deliberate choice. There's plenty of speculation you could do. Some of it well-founded, some of it less-founded. The, the powerful lion whose wings are locked off, who is brought down to earth and then restored, given the mind of a human, sounds an awful lot like Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know if you remember the story of him in chapter 4 when he, at the heart of his kingdom, was, was brought down low. He lost his sanity, but when he lived among the wild beasts... His wings were clipped, in a sense, and then he was uh, turned his mind to God and was restored, given the, um, the mind of a human again. And so that, that kind of seems to, to line up. Similarly, people say that the leopard with wings sounds a lot like the swiftness of Alexander the Great, whose kingdom split into fourfold kingdom, like the leopard's four heads. Um, but it is speculation. We're not actually told in this chapter. The identification is left open. And the other ones are... Uh, less easy to pin down and i think that's because this is not just about four kingdoms in history it's about our world it's about the patterns of our world and so we'll try to live at both levels here both the level of history and the level of humanity both where is where's daniel What, what does this mean for him but also what does this mean for us what does this mean for our world because for Daniel, this would have been devastating. We learn in the following chapters how high his, pro- his hopes were that the oppression would end, that they would return back to Jerusalem and everything would be right again. That's what he longed for. And so to see this succession of beasts come forward, to realize that whatever shifts might, might happen, there will continue to be evil powers that wreak havoc. And no, no wonder Daniel was troubled. Even after the good news, he, st- he says, My visions disturbed me. In verse 15. And, and by the end of the chapter, he says in 20, 28, I was deeply troubled in my thoughts, and my face turned pale. I asked my wife this week if she's ever seen my face turn pale from, from re- receiving news. Uh, we've definitely had our moments of, of troubling news, but she told me, no, that's not really how I work. I think what she meant by that is I'm often too slow to really process stuff that quickly that it that shocks me like that. Um... She said, though, that she has watched our, our two-year-old son, Alistair. She's watched the color drain from his face uh, when the, whenever the scary tractor comes on in the Cars movie. Anyone know that scene? It's terrifying for a two-year-old. Um, but it's not quite the same density as, as Daniel's fear here. Uh, what he's realizing is that his life is never going to be the same. His life is never going to go back to what it was. I wonder if you've ever received news that made your face turn pale. News that shocked you, and um, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a picture of deep emotional turmoil, isn't it, um, to have a response like that. And whatever kind of news you've received, I think the good news that Daniel receives could just be so good that it eclipses all the bad, not just for Daniel, but for us as well. It's good news on a whole different scale. As, as we keep reading, um, the beasts have come, I'll pick up with it with me in verse 9. We're shown the scene from a very different perspective. And this scene is such a huge contrast to the chaos that came before it. The churning waters and the blowing wind and the monstrous beasts. And then in verse 9 it reads, As I looked, thrones were set in place. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. Already there's, there's a sense of order to that, isn't there? The thrones kind of each have their proper place. Uh, the Ancient of Days, that's a title for God that emphasizes his him as the eternal one the the one who has always been as opposed to these beasts that kind of come and go god is the ancient of days who has forever been and his wisdom is built on an eternity of knowledge Uh, as it keeps reading listen how different he is from the beast his clothing was as white as snow the hair of his head was white like wool his thrones were flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze a river of fire was flowing coming out from before him thousands upon thousands attended him ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him Uh, the contrast couldn't be more stark the whole scene here has this feeling of peace of power of control Uh, the anxious news of the the beast is um put to rest by the the absolute certainty of god and then it says finally that the court was seated and the books were opened and that's all that needs to be said um, for the next scene to un- unfold. This, this fourth beast that looked so terrifying in the beginning, looked unstoppable. It says the beast was slain and his body destroyed, thrown into the blazing fire. There's, there's no question, no contest. The court was seated and the books were opened. It's kind of telling us that the judgment was made. God made his decision and, and that was it. The beast was nothing. And so we get this picture of assurance that heaven rules. Even in the chaos, heaven rules. God is over it all. And I don't know if you noticed as we read through, um, it kind of makes sense of of the beasts. Mostly, I don't know if you noticed this, mostly the beasts have things done to them. They don't really do much on their own terms. You can ask the question of the lion, who was it that... That tore off the wings and stood it up and gave it the mind. You could ask of the of the bear in chapter five, who was it that raised it up on its side and, and told it to get up and eat? You could ask of the leopard, who was who is it that has the who who can give the beast authority? I think the answer is there. As we, as we get this new perspective, see it from the perspective of heaven. God is over it all, even the chaos. God is sovereign even over that. Even when evil powers are wreaking havoc, God is there. God is certain and God, um nothing happens in his blind spot. And that's a great comfort for Daniel and a great comfort for us as well. The more surprising image, though, in a lot of ways, is what comes next. This image is really important for Daniel because it shows that God isn't far off. If you only had the image of the Ancient of Days in the throne room, you could conjure up an image of God who is up there, far away, making, making calls from his office somewhere up there. Um, but now, in verse 13, we see that the Ancient of Days um, doesn't act alone. He isn't only um, sovereign over all, sitting on his throne, but now we see one like a son of man. For Daniel, this is a representative of the, for the oppressed people, one from among them, hope is put back into their hands, that, that one of them, one like a son of man, one, from, one who can represent them, is going to rise up and rule. But it is a strange image. Although he is like a son of man, he seems to go between earth and heaven freely. He comes from, with the clouds from heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, and was led into his presence. That's really unusual. That's not normally something a human can do, to to walk into the presence of God. Moses had to be hidden in a rock, and even just a glimpse his back was was too much. Uh, But then the strangest thing of all is, what happens next? He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. And then, all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. Now, that that would have shocked Daniel... The second commandment in the Ten Commandments is not to bow down to other gods, not to have other other gods. One of the core tenets of Daniel's faith was um, the Lord is one. And so for this, this man-like figure to be worshipped alongside God, it would have been quite kind of distressing, upsetting. I'm not sure that they would really know what to do with that. He's one like a son of man who represents humanity one who comes from amongst us and that that must be such a comfort to them but yet he's described in the language of god himself as coming from heaven ruling alongside god and worshiped alongside god and of course we understand that this side of things we know who the man who came to rule and was also god was Jesus used many different titles for himself, but his favorite, the title that he used the most often in the Gospels was to call himself the Son of Man. And there's no doubt that's a, that's a reference to this image here. When he was on trial at the Sanhedrin, they asked him, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And he responded, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. If there was any doubt, Jesus makes it very clear that He is this Son of Man, this um, representative of the people, this one that is like them, but who is also God Himself. And that's a moment, that's the moment that kind of sets them off, the religious leaders tear their clothing. They said, is that not enough? They call blasphemy, they call for His execution, because how how can a human associate with such divine attributes? Well, the only way that could happen is if Jesus was God himself come down to dwell among us. The son of man that would come from among the people would represent humanity and yet would be seated with God himself. So that's the the big picture of the first half. I hope you've kind of followed with that. The troubling news is that the chaos, the um, evil powers will wreak havoc on the world. But the the confidence for Daniel, which I think, eclipses that is that um god is on the throne the ancient of days is over all and and jesus has raised up as a representative of humanity jesus is raised up um as one who's, who's been there who's, who's been in the kind of dark moments of this world and rules alongside him That that is gr- a great comfort in times like that the second half is similar and so we'll move through it more quickly it um one of the strange things about this chapter is that during the, the explanation that the dream keeps unfolding i don't know if you notice that it's there was, there was this man who was there in the scene and he kind of daniel within his vision approaches him and asks him what, what's going on what are we looking at here um and explains two things in verse 17 that the four great beasts are the four kings we've kind of seen that and the second one that but but the holy people of the most high will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. See what what he's doing there? He's identifying the beasts with the kings, but who's he identifying the Son of Man with? Well, Actually, there's there's an association with the the people of God. With him as their representative, even they will take part in in possessing the kingdom, in, in ruling alongside him. And even though the vision continues, the content is is clearly different. The, the beasts no longer reign, but the boastful horn continues. So he's talking to this um, interpreter that's there with him. And in verse 21, as I watched, this horn uh, was waging war against the holy people and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High. And the time came when, the, when they possessed the kingdom. Now, the similarities there, the horn, like the beast, represents the king. The difference... The big difference in the second half is that uh while they were just generally wreaking havoc in the first half second half it's personal Uh, the second half there is this intentional um and targeted and oppression of, of god's people and so the the troubling news for daniel here is that not not only will kind of kingdoms continue to come kingdoms kings continue to wreak havoc on the world but um some will be directly opposed to to god and his people at times there will be oppression and and cruelty um specifically for them and so suddenly in in this half of the chapter the the um the people of god are 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 put into the scene and we see that these uh kings are opposed even to, to them but we also see them put into the scene with the Son of Man alongside him um, and raised up with him. And that's the good news for Daniel. he was told that not only will evil powers wreak cows in the world, but particularly for God's people. Yeah. For, for him, their, their freedom from Babylon won't be, the, won't be freedom from oppression, finally. It, it troubles him deeply and, it, and his face turns pale. And so what could be a comfort for him? Well, the angel explains... Um, at the end, in verse 26, the good news is that, that the court will sit. At that moment, things will be reversed. Shocking, the sovereignty, power and greatness of all the kingdoms will be handed over to the, to the holy people of the Most High. But it's not that they rule in place of the Son of Man, they rule alongside Him. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all the rulers will worship and obey Him. And so it's this picture of um, Jesus as a representative of the people being raised up um, and with him, taking uh, the the holy people of the Most High with him. But who are the people of God here? This is the last question I want to ask. Um, how, How do I know if I'm one of the holy ones or not? And this is where it's really helpful to have the whole picture of Scripture because... But Daniel understood something of the Christ. He understood something of, of the end, but he didn't understand in full. In particular, it can be easy here to... It can be hard to work out who the holy ones, who are the ones who are vindicated and raised up, taken alone. You could almost read it like they're kind of getting what they deserve, like they've built up enough points from their doing their time as the ones that are oppressed, doing their time faithfully following, and, and then finally they're rewarded for their excellent patience and endurance but as the Bible unfolds, we see a different story. So the ones with the top scores for patient endurance or faithful following. Um, the book of Revelation paints, paints the same picture of the, of the courtroom and it gives us a little bit more detail. So I'm just going to read a few verses as we f- finish from Revelation. And listen for what's kind of similar here, but also what's the extra detail that's added. It says, then I saw, this is Revelation 20 verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and him who is seated on it the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. That's familiar language, isn't it? Then he says, Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And he goes on to describe how many were judged according to their deed. It paints these pictures of kind of judgment in heaven and hell, but then. At the end of the, the picture, at the end of, after describing the new creation, he says, nothing impure will in ever enter it, the new creation, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So who are the ones who are vindicators? It's not the top scorers or the, the most oppressed. It's, it's those whose n- names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's those whose who Jesus, that the Lamb of God, who was slain, uh, those who He has sealed with His blood, those who He has um, uh, yeah, sealed their names in the book of life, as the Lamb who was slain. And the great comfort is that th- that means Jesus calls the shots. It's not about us kind of earning enough points. It's about... Uh, G- Jesus tells us that uh, anyone... All who call upon His name will be saved. That if our trust is in Him, then because of what He has done, our names are written in the book of life. And so that's, a, that's why it's such a great comfort that the court will sit. It, it describes that the, the judgment has already been made in favor of the holy, God's holy people. And now we understand why, because Jesus has paid the price for them. He's written their names in the book of life. And so we've seen the troubling news is a is a part of our world. Uh, and it won't do to replace it with only good news about puppy shelters and the roos. It won't do just to, to turn it off. What we need instead is good news so good that it is able to eclipse the bad news. There's lots of troubling news that we might face, but in particular, the reality is that evil powers will, will, will contend continue to wreak havoc in our world, at times quite deliberately against God's holy people. And so whether it's that that you face, or whether it's other troubling news, well, what can we do when troubling news arises? Is there any news so comforting that it might eclipse all the troubling news we face? Well, I'm not I'm not saying that it's a quick fix for anxiety or that it's a simple or easy antidote, but I think the more that this is our worldview, the more that we see th- the world from this perspective, the more we'll be able to see things in their proper perspective. We well, know. We know it's not a quick and easy fix because Daniel, by the end, he was still deeply troubled by what he'd heard. He uh, was in emotional turmoil. Uh, but the good news is so good that it w- could eclipse the bad news. We've seen two things today in particular, that, that God is on the throne. So it doesn't matter which powers are wreaking havoc, God is on the throne and nothing happens in his blind spot. So, so fix your eyes on the sovereignty of the ancient of days, on the eternal reign of the Son of Man. Knowing that God is overall. Whether you're facing troubling news right now or whether you're, you want to prepare yourself for it, to build your resilience for it, uh, fix your eyes on the sovereignty of the ancient of days. And know that the court will sit when injustice is served, when um, God's people are, are mistreated, when uh, all sorts of injustice come in our world. Know that the court will sit, know that justice will come in the end know the judgment has already been assured for in favor of god's people if, that if your trust is in jesus then your name is written in the book of life and so the court will sit books will be opened and those whose trust in jesus will be saved i'm going to pray now that god would help us to to trust that heavenly father we we ancient of days we praise you who are who is sitting on the throne we know that you are overall we know that uh, you rule overall i pray that more and more our our world would be shaped by that that's how we would see the world that even when chaos seems to reign that we would um, trust in you and know that you are working things out even when we can't understand it and we thank you that courts will see We pray that um, our eyes will be fixed on those moments when, when we feel the injustice in the world, when things don't feel fair. We know that justice will come fully and finally in the end. We pray that you would shape us by those truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.